on the screen right now, you might see any one of these things or maybe all of them, which at some point in your life you may have seen as sinful to partake in. Um, depending on where you were raised, who, you, who raised you, what culture you were brought up in, each one of these things might have been considered sinful to enjoy. Um, we have bacon. That would You'd have to go to mostly Jewish cultures at that point to see that to be sinful to in, ingest pork. Um, but it is something that, under the Old Covenant, it was not allowed. Um, it was forbidden, um, as well as shellfish, so bacon-wrapped shrimp is out. That's a bummer. Um, but they, in that culture, in Jewish culture, um, bacon would have been considered sinful. Well, go across. We have playing cards. Um, depending on, I, I don't think I, anybody in my generation might have had this particular issue with playing cards. But I know that some older generations, that was considered sinful to play cards with a regular deck of playing cards. You had to play stuff like Rook or something with the you know special decks, you know, Old Maid or something. Um, but you couldn't play with actual playing cards. It was considered sinful to do so. Um, the, you go across, you have dancing. That was something that as a kid, um, especially a Baptist kid, no dancing, y'all. Dancing is, ooh, that's a bad one. You can't go, couldn't go to the school dances, um, except they had bingo at our school dances. So if we promised to stay on the bingo side, we could go. Um, and so, which, come on. But dancing considered sinful by some, even still today. That might be that one might actually get you a little bit. Whenever I say dancing is not sinful, you might be like, okay, hold on. Um, but we'll continue. We have alcohol. That's what all those bottles are. Um, now, that one might be controversial to you also because, well, a lot of people don't like alcohol. Um, they, they see that it can be dangerous, and so... A lot of people think it's sinful to simply ingest alcohol in any way. Um, That's not what the scripture teaches, but it is um, something that a lot of people believe. I'm going across, you have movie theaters. I know uh, Dell's told me about how scandalous it was for them to go to the movies at at one point in his his childhood. Um, You know, you could wait for it to come out on VHS and watch it at home. That was fine, but you can't go to the movie theater. That's that's where sin happens. Um, So no movie theaters. That's something that even... I mean, I don't think most people today have that hang-up anymore, but it's something that maybe in your lifetime you would have been held to the standard of, if you go to the movies, it is sin. Um, going across, you have cigars. Um, some of us like cigars, some of us don't, but I don't think you could look at cigars and say it's sinful to enjoy a cigar. Um, there's nothing in Scripture that could tell you if you're a cigar smoker, um, you're condemned. And so... These are all issues of conscience. They're all issues that each person must decide on their own and and see from their own study of the Scripture where they stand. After the last election cycle, we had a lot of of talk about unity. Um, These are issues around which we can't unite. Uh, The matters of conscience, we can unite with brothers. Uh, if, If Kendrick wants to smoke a cigar and Tim wants to have a beer, and I don't want to do either, I can still have fellowship with them as brothers. And I won't have to say they're sinning by enjoying either of those things. But in these issues, I put these three because they're like the big cultural things right now. We'll talk a little bit more of other things. But on issues of sin that is outright condemned in the scriptures, we cannot have unity around, for example, abortion. We cannot be 
We could not say, I am an abortion-affirming Christian. We're an abortion-affirming church. We can't say that. That is absolutely an evil. Thousands of children are killed every day in Planned Parenthoods across the nation and other abortion facilities. We can't say, I'm an abortion-affirming Christian. We're an abortion-affirming church. Also with homosexuality, that's actually that's trying to make the mainstream. That's trying to make the, the mainstream where it says, well, we can have fellowship with those people who are, they're gay-affirming Christians. They're gay-affirming churches, like the Methodists that ordain gay um, ministers. Uh, that's not a thing, actually. They're not real ministers. Um, but So we can have unity around things that are out-and-out out sin. Transgenderism, that there's an Olympic weightlifter who is a man lifting in the women's um, Olympic weightlifting. We can't look at that and say, well, I'm a trans-affirming Christian. That's okay to me. Because that's denying the order of creation that God has instituted. It's making a liar out of you. And we can no more say I'm an abortion-affirming church than I'm a murder-affirming church. We can no more say that I am a transgender-affirming Christian than I could say I'm an, I'm an adultery-affirming Christian. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Because those are issues where, that are cut and dried. In the scriptures, thou shalt not commit adultery. Boom, it's there. Thou shalt not murder. Boom, it's there. There is no negotiation on matters that are clearly stated as sin. A man with the lives of another man, it's an abomination. You can't, you can't argue that. The scripture says it, and contrary to popular belief, it's not whispered. It is stated very clearly. None of those issues, and none of, no issue that scripture says is sin, straight up, can be, we can't have unity around those things. And so while the, the idea from, um, during that, the, after that last election cycle, there was a lot of talk, we want to have unity as a country, we want to have unity. I would love to have unity, but we can't have unity with unbelief. The only true unity comes in Christ. And so we have to find out, we have to determine how and, and discern what matters of conscience are, and we have to discern which issues are non-negotiable and they are sin. Um, you know, there's, I put a little spectrum thing there. It, it's not really a spectrum, it's either one or the other. It's either a conscience issue or it's not. Um, it's either sin or it's not. I mean, murder is not a conscience issue. So if I had a premeditated murder and I made all the plans out and I went to Kendrick's house in the dead of night and killed him, there would be no like, well, if your conscience allows it, no. I might be even able to get some of y'all to cover for me, but still, it's not a conscience issue. It's not a conscience issue. It's a, it's a cut and dried sin, straight up. There is no negotiation there. Um, but we have to discern between the two. And we... We need to maintain unity among believers, but only among those secondary issues, not among issues that the Bible clearly says is sin or is not sin, or where the Bible clearly speaks. There are issues where the Bible makes allowances, where the Bible has a lot of verses about alcohol, and the majority of them, you may be surprised to find out, the majority of them are positive. There are many that are negative, and there are a lot of them that are neutral statements of alcohol, but... That means we have to determine for ourselves on matters of conscience. So we're going to open here at Romans chapter 14, and it says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. So one who is weak in faith, that implies that there is one who is strong in the faith. Um, and we don't see that actually stated until... Chapter 15, verse 1, it says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. Um, but what we do see here is a, 
a, a dual statement here. So he's implying that he's speaking to the strong believer, the, the one who is strong in faith. As for the one who is weak in faith, he's saying to the strong believer, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the one who is weak in faith, per, the person who is weak in faith eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. We have here a, a dichotomy here of a strong, stronger brother and weaker brother. He's addressing the stronger brothers here. He's saying to the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. And then he says, you know, the one person, and, and in this situation, he's talking about food. Um, you might think it's talking about food sacrificed to idols. That's not specifically stated in this, um, in, in Romans here. It's, it's talked about in 1 Corinthians 10. But here, the better understanding is probably actually the food, because he's writing to a mixed audience here of Jews and Gentiles in Rome. He's probably talking about the foods that were allowed or disallowed under the Old Covenant. Um, and so you have the weak in faith who has a weak understanding of what is allowed under the new covenant and the strong in faith who has a strong understanding. Who would be the strong believer in this case? The Gentile. They never had dietary restrictions. They never had those restrictions. They, they're happily eating pork chops with no issues. They're happy and scarfing it down while the Jewish believers, this is not an issue of, of heresy where they're saying that you have to have faith and works to be a believer. This is an issue of just an understanding of conscience to where he says, I, you know, I, just, I know for me it would still be wrong to eat pork. I just can't do it. I would feel wrong doing it. And Paul says, the one who, the one who sorry, it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. So even though all things are clean, we know that because in Acts we see Peter told by God, don't call common what God has called clean. He says all things are clean. Like a ham, or you know, pork chop, or bacon—you can have all that. That's all fine. Pork, you know, shellfish, have some shrimp, have some lobster. You can have it all. Um, congratulations, the food is all on the table for you. But to the to, but to some Jewish believers, they still struggled with this because their whole lives they had been raised in a certain way. In the same way, you might have the same kind of hang-up with dancing or alcohol or playing cards you might still have that same kind of hang-up where you would feel sinful in doing so, and therefore, to you, it would be. To you, it would be sinful for you to take part in those things because you have a weaker conscience. So we have a dichotomy here of the stronger brother and the weaker brother. The stronger brother is the one who has a stronger spiritual understanding, a mature faith, a free conscience, that on matters of, of conscience where the Bible doesn't clearly speak, we can have disagreement and still have fellowship. These people have a, a free conscience to where... The one with the free conscience can eat the bacon. Actually, he can go ahead and have the whole thing. He can have the bacon-wrapped shrimp, which is the better option. And then he can have a beer on the side, and he can play um, a, a round of cards with his buddies and smoke a cigar and then go to the movies and maybe go dancing sometime. And he can do all those things because they're matters of conscience. The, the, the one who has a free conscience can do any one of those things as long as we're going to see he's doing that to honor the Lord. The weaker brother has a, a lack of spiritual understanding. He has an immature faith. I mean, when he says, in, the, in verse 1, he says, the one who is weak in the faith, that's an immature faith. It's one who doesn't have a, a, 
a strong understanding of what is and isn't sin. And so their conscience is bound. Their conscience is bound to, or, or you know, what their, their conscience is bound to what they see as sinful. And there's a point of clarification I want to make. The strong brother still may recognize that thing, certain things are not sinful. There, there are strong brothers. I'll take Greg, for example, who, is, who knows that to ingest a beer is not a sin. But he's not going to do so anyways. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want it. But he also knows that there's wisdom in, um, in abstaining. And so he chooses to abstain. He's a str- I wouldn't say that he's a weaker brother. I'd say he's a stronger brother who understands that it's not a sin, but he still would choose to abstain. The strong brother can have, still have points where they might choose to abstain from certain things, either because they, they see their own temptation in that, because they, they don't want to ever have the risk of causing someone to stumble or to cause offense, and so they just avoid it altogether. But they might not still have a bound conscience in that way. They could still be the stronger brother. We'll continue reading in verse 5. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. Since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. So why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So here he's talking about days, holy days, holidays. The Jew, again, we see what is consistent with talking to a mixed audience of Jewish believers and Gentile believers. Where the Jewish believers had like a majority of their calendar year already taken up with holy days that they had to observe under the Old Covenant. The Jew had to observe a lot of holy days, whether it just be the Sabbath each week or all the other festivals and holy days in between. And then you have the Gentiles who didn't have pretty much any of that stuff. So again, you, you kind of have the Gentile as the stronger brother in this case because he doesn't have, he's not worried about observing the day. To, again, to, to kind of give it to today's context, let's talk Halloween. You have some, who, some Christians who would say, well, that's a pagan holiday. We can't celebrate that. It's Halloween. We can't do it. And so they, they will not celebrate it, and they do so to honor the Lord. And there are others of us who celebrate Halloween and go trick-or-treating because we love candy. And we do so, and we, we can still glorify God in that too. We give thanks to the Lord. Both of those things can be God-honoring, and neither of them is wrong in itself. It can be done sinfully. If you're you know having seances and playing with Ouija boards, you're not celebrating Halloween in a way that's innocent. You're sinning, so don't do that. Um, no, no. But if you are celebrating it in just the sense of, I love dressing up in a fun costume and getting candy from strangers... Hey oh, that's a fun time, um, and we can do that. It, let's take another one, Christmas. That one seems, you know, most of Christianity would say, you know, 
Christmas is fine to celebrate. But there are some who say, well, Christmas was, has pagan origins. You know, and they, they get all hot and bothered about the pagan origins of Christmas. The, you know the Christmas tree, the Yule log. You know, and they, okay, thank you for your fuddy-duddiness and your scrooginess. But Christmas can be celebrated or not celebrated to the glory of God. It can be done to honor the Lord either way. And neither one of them is wrong if we're doing so to honor the Lord, and as long as we're not taking part in any sinful practices in how we celebrate. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So again, we have an issue of conscience. So for you, if you say, I can't celebrate Halloween because I know the stuff that people do on Halloween that is, you know, like trying to consult with spirits and stuff like that, and I know that's sinful, I can't do it, even if I'm not doing that stuff, I just can't celebrate Halloween, I can't do it. Then it would be sinful for you to to celebrate Halloween. Don't do it. But for the ones who say, I just love dressing up and getting candy, have at it. And give thanks to the Lord either way. Honor the Lord either way. Either one is fine. Because they're issues of conscience. They're not matters that... The the scripture doesn't say, you must celebrate Christmas, you must not celebrate Halloween. If it was that easy, then it would actually change a lot. It would make it a lot easier for us. Because we wouldn't have to have these issues. But then there would be no no reason for us to have unity around disagreement. If the Bible spoke to every single issue specifically, well, man, we'd be all right. We wouldn't have any issues. If somebody does something that the Bible says not to do, we know that they, we need to call them to repentance. If, it says, if they do something the Bible says they're, um, or if they don't do something the Bible says to do, then we also know we call them to repentance. But as long as they're doing what the Bible says to do and not doing what the Bible says not to do, we're good to go. But what, I mean, there's too many of these issues that are matters of conscience. Different days, different, you know, Smoking cigars and having a drink. It's a matter of conscience. Playing cards, going to the movies. Each of those things can be done sinfully. Dancing, it can be done sinfully. Recognize that anything, any good thing, even a good thing can be done sinfully. You can, have a, you can make an idol out of your family, but God has instituted the family. The family is a great thing, but it can still be taken to an idolatrous extreme. And then it's sin. So we must not compromise on sin, but we need to have true unity around these issues where we disagree that are matters of conscience. And there's a danger in both sides. If you're the stronger brother, you, you kind of have the danger of, of leaning towards antinomianism. That's a big fancy word, meaning anti-law, no law. You, you're saying, I don't want anything to do with the law at all. I, it, it, well, the law doesn't apply to me. The Old Testament, well, we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. Well, that's foolish. That's dumb. Um, it's stupid. That's not the, what the Bible teaches in any way. We have Romans 6.1, um, which says, um, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be. May it never be. The last part of that verse is eluding me. I had it in my head and now I don't. May it never be. How can we who died to, to sin still live in it? So it... it contradicts antinomianism. It contradicts this idea of living with no law whatsoever. The strong brother can't allow his sin or his, his liberty to become a license for sin. First Peter 2.16 says, Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Don't use your freedom as a covering for evil. For there, so there's a danger, even though we have liberty in Christ, we have freedom in Christ, there's a danger of using that sinfully and using it as a covering for sin. Galatians 5.13 similarly says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love 
serve one another. We, those of us who would think of ourselves as the stronger brother who has a stronger conscience and, feel, and that we feel free to do all the things that are lawful, we can't use that as a, a freedom to sin. We can't use that as an opportunity for the flesh. And we are still called to love and serve one another. And we'll see how we do that in a moment. We also have the other side. The weak brother can fall into legalism. A lot of us grew up in very legalistic backgrounds. Legalism is where antinomianism is no law. Legalism is all about the law. And the legalist will generally bind the conscience of those who have a stronger conscience in things that are matters of conscience that, that they themselves cannot do. So if I'm a weaker brother who says I can't drink alcohol because would, I would feel as though I was sinning and therefore I would be sinning, even if I had a single drink or even if I went to a movie or whatever the case is, if I'm the weaker brother, then what legalism looks like is to bind the conscience of everyone. So then I say, if you're within my um, church, then none of you can drink. Not, it's not allowed at all. Any, nobody can do it, even though it's, we're left free under the law. I'd be binding the conscience of someone whose conscience is not otherwise bound. We have 1 Corinthians 10, verses 28 through 30. It says, But if someone says to you, This has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you, and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So legalism is also denied in scriptures. My conscience can't be bound by someone else's conscience. If I'm in their presence, and in that situation in 1 Corinthians, they were dealing with meat sacrificed to idols. The, the Lord says all of it is fine to eat. But to the one who would be sinning by taking part in that because their conscience won't allow them, if they say, well, no, we can't eat this, it's been sacrificed to idols, then out of love for that brother, we will abstain for that time. But my conscience isn't bound by his at all times. If there's a, a deeply discounted steak at the market that's been sacrificed to idols, well, boy, howdy, I'm going to slather that thing in marinade, and I'm going to grill it, and I'm going to eat it in the privacy of my home if I want to. But I might not do so in the presence of the weaker brother. I'll just choose to abstain for their sake. Continue in verse 13 of Romans 14. We're back in our main passage here. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. So this paragraph here, Paul gets into this, this issue that, that we talked about from that verse 28 of 1 Corinthians 10, where if I'm with a weaker brother, Let's say, you know, a few of us are out to dinner, and one of us is inclined to drink, but another, their conscience is weak. They have a weaker faith. 
if that person says, can you please not, I, I don't want the temptation, it would, I, I, don't, I, think, I believe it to be sinful, then, we'll, then the person who would be inclined to drink out of love for that other brother should abstain, should choose to abstain for their sake. Because it's the loving thing to do. It helps. You don't want to cause offense to your brother. You don't want to cause your brother to stumble. And so for that reason, out of love, you abstain. Same thing with movies. Let's say a bunch of us are out and we're, we had dinner. None of us had any issues of, no scruples at dinner. No, no matters of conscience came up. All of us ordered Coke, so it was fine. No matters of conscience there. But then we were getting ready to go out to the movies. And somebody's like, oh, we can't go to the movies. That, that's a pretty dated one, but you know, still bear with me. We can't go to the movies. Then for their sake, just... We'll not go to the movies tonight. Let's go to Top Golf instead. You know, let's let's go. Let's choose a different activity because, for the the sake of the brother, who has a weaker faith, a weaker conscience, I'm going to choose to abstain for them. It's loving to do so because it will help them not to stumble. It'll help to not cause offense. Later on, a couple days later, I'll go to the movies or I might go tomorrow. Whatever, I, I can go to the movies, but I can't do so in the situation where I'm going to cause offense or cause my brother to stumble. Same thing with cards, you know, the whole deal, any of this stuff. We choose to abstain for the sake of the weaker brother. Now, generally speaking, you know, sin is sin. The Bible clearly speaks to one, one thing being, you know, thou shalt not lie. Lying is a sin. Boom, covered. But in these matters of conscience, we, have, we see that, you know, it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. These are matters that... that because they have a weaker faith, a weaker understanding of what the Scripture teaches in regard to these things, they would still feel sinful in doing so. And because they would feel as if they were sinning, but if they did it anyways, it would be sinful because they, they would feel like they were rebelling, and therefore they would be rebelling. I feel rebellious, rebellious doing this. Well, then don't do it. I feel sinful doing this. Don't do it. Don't violate your conscience. This is not a matter of the Holy Spirit speaking even. This is, you know, the conscience. This is a, a, the man, the inner man saying, you know, I, I feel as if this would be sinful. To the person who was raised to believe that I can't go to the movies. I can't go dancing. Or I can't, you know, I can't even dance at all. No dancing allowed. You know, whatever the case is. To the person who was raised this way and has not studied the scriptures to an understanding of that. And they feel as if they'd be violating the, their, the, their conscience, they'd feel like they'd be violating the, even the Scriptures because they don't understand what the Scripture says on this, to do this, then they would be sinning to do it. And we have to recognize those matters of conscience. Do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Don't tear down the faith of the weaker brother because his faith is already weak. He already has a, a, a weak understanding there's a place to teach that brother in a, in a situation, especially where, where the, it's a matter of conscience. We should be wanting to grow in our understanding. So if we have a weak faith, we want to grow in our understanding and know the scriptures well enough that we know what is sin and what is not sin. What is a matter of conscience and what is not a matter of conscience. Those areas around which we can have unity and the ones where we need to have a hard line stance and say, no, we need to call someone to repentance. We need to know where those lines are. We need to know what, what those things are. But we can't know that without knowing the scriptures. And so if we have that weaker faith, we need to want to grow. We should want to grow. If we have a stronger faith, though, we still want to be willing to, to teach the weaker brother, but not to offend, not to, not to cause them to stumble. Not to, to say, well, 
that's just because you got a weak faith. You don't understand. I'm still going to have this drink if I want to. You know, that's a bad attitude, and it's not, it's not biblical. It's not Christ-like. And so we need to honor our weaker brothers and sisters by abstaining from those things which they would be sinning to do, those things that might cause them to stumble, those things that might cause offense. Now, verses 20 through 22 are addressed specifically to the stronger brother. It says, Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. And so I might have a clean conscience in eating or drinking something. I might have a clean conscience in the activities I choose to engage in. But if my doing so causes a brother to stumble, if my doing so causes someone to sin and violate their own conscience, if it causes them to to have offense then I would have to pass judgment on myself, and it would, it would become sinful then for me in that time to do that. It's a very complicated issue. I mean, thinking in terms of, well, this isn't sinful for me, but if I cause somebody to stumble, then it would be sinful because then I'm causing them to stumble, and then I'm causing them offense, or I'm causing them to sin. So my causing them to sin has made me now sin as well, but it wouldn't be sinful otherwise. It's a confusing issue. I mean, it is. You have to sit, you have to, I mean, it's, there's a reason that he calls the, the one who understands these things to be the stronger in the faith. There, we, we have to think through these things and, and have wisdom in how we interact with people and how we interact with the things that we want to enjoy in our lives. Verse 23 is to the weaker brother. Verse 20, 20 through 22, we're to the stronger. They're addressing the, the, how we relate to the weaker. The weaker brother is addressed in verse 23 where it says, But whoever has doubts, that's the one who is the weaker brother, whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And so if this is my... my situation i'm sitting at dinner with someone and and they're a let's say they're a health conscious person person and we're at dairy queen and i order a, a double bacon belt buster obviously not a healthy meal and they something they might feel sinful to enjoy something that wonderful um if that's their situation and that's my situation and they say oh you can't they're going to eat that. Then, for their sake, especially if it was it's something that violates their conscience, not if they're just like somebody that's like you know super fit dude, you know, only salads, you know, um, not if they're just that guy, but you know, if they're the if they're if it would violate their conscience to even eat something unhealthy because they feel like it would be gluttonous to do so, even just just one burger. I mean, it's a big burger and everything. But still, come on. Um, but if, if it would be sinful. In their mind, then I should choose to abstain from eating a double bacon belt buster for them, with for their sake. I can always Dairy Queen's still going to be there. I can enjoy that 
my faith can be between myself and God. And this isn't a situation where, you know, somebody might pr- try to use that as a proof text to say no proselytizing and no evangelism. Well, let your faith between, be between yourself and God. That's not what this verse is talking about. He's talking about in, these, in those areas where your strong faith allows you to do something, then let your faith be between yourself and God. Let your, enjoy your double bacon belt buster alone or only with those who are also stronger brothers. Enjoy a drink alone or only with those who are stronger brothers. Now, I want to caution you. All these things can be sinful in their, in their action. Like if you, if you get drunk, you have sinned. If you get drunk, you've sinned. The Bible clearly says, do not be drunk with wine. It says, be sober-minded. There's plenty of exhortation about not getting drunk. So let me, don't hear me saying it's, it's, not, it's a matter of conscience whether you drink or not. And be like, oh boy, I'm going to the bar tonight. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, be wise. Drunkenness is still a sin. Don't hear me saying dancing is fine and then go out to you know, some, some club and do some you know, sexual dancing and stuff and, and say, well, Jubal said dancing was okay, so I'm good to go. Hear me when I say any of these things can be used sinfully. Playing cards. I mean, hey, you could gamble away your paycheck. Sinful. You can play you know, a round of you know, hand and foot. You're good to go. Um, but again, also, you could be sinful in, in that if you, if you squander your time and never do the things that we're supposed to do um, as followers of God. I mean, so there's any of these things can become sinful, whether they just become idols or whether you just take them to the extreme to which they become sinful. But on their own, there are many issues that are just simply matters of conscience. We need to be wise in how we partake of those things. We need to be wise in how we act. And so if my drinking is going to cause someone to stumble, I will choose to abstain until such time as I, as I won't cause someone to stumble. If I eating something will cause someone to stumble, then I will choose to abstain until such time as I'm free of that obligation to that other brother. I would rather not cause my brother offense. I would rather not cause my sister to stumble than to enjoy the thing that I have the freedom to enjoy. Love doesn't demand our rights. Love doesn't say, well, I have the right to this, so I'm going to do it. I mean, that's a very entitled attitude. And a Christian should not have that kind of attitude, demanding our rights at the expense of someone else's conscience. We certainly should not. We need to be careful of that. And so for a few points of application, to the Strong Brothers... As we talked about from First Peter and, and Galatians 5 and Romans 6, um, don't use your liberty as a cover for sin. Don't allow knowing that you have liberty in Christ to do certain things. And, you know, Paul says all things, is, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Not all things build up. And so show wisdom in how you exercise your freedom in Christ. You do have that freedom. You have that liberty. But if you use it as a cover for your sin then you've abused the liberty and you've used it as an as a opportunity for licentiousness. Don't be that person. And care for your weaker brother so as not to cause him to stumble or to cause offense. You don't... I don't want to be the reason that someone else falls into sin. I don't want to be the reason that someone else is caused offense. I don't want to be the reason that someone leaves the church. So whatever I have to 
do or not do under the law. No, I'm not going to violate the law for this, but whatever I have to do or not do within the bounds of the law, and I mean God's law and the, the, the you know, United States law, all of those things, whatever I have to do or not do for that brother to not cause offense, to not cause them to sin, I'm, I should be willing to do that. Love seeks not its own. I should be willing to love my weaker brother or sister by abstaining from whatever I need to abstain from or taking part in, in something I might need to take part in as long as it's within the law, knowing that my conscience will not be bothered either way. Again, on matters of sin, we take a hard-line stance. We call people to repentance when they violated the law. To the weaker brother, I want you guys, as we're talking through this, I want you to kind of think about where you are. Are you the stronger brother or the weaker one? There's, there's no shame in being the weaker brother. Paul's not condemning any of these men and women as sinful for having a weaker conscience. Now, he does say it's those who are weak in the faith. And so I would encourage you to seek to grow in the faith and grow in understanding. In those issues, as it relates to especially matters of conscience, grow in understanding. You don't want to remain the weaker brother. I don't, I don't know about you, but weak doesn't sound like a positive adjective to me. So I don't want to be weak forever. I want to grow. And so I don't want to have an immature faith. I want to have a mature one. I want to know what the Bible says, and I want to live by what the Scripture teaches. And like I said before, there might be, it might be that you're a, the stronger brother who understands certain things that you don't like aren't sinful, and that you know, you're not binding anyone's consciences to your own conscience or to your own uh, you know, likes and dislikes, but that you would still be considered a stronger brother. You might be a weaker brother who really has a lot of these issues where you just can't find unity with people who disagree with you. If you're that weaker brother or sister, I would encourage you to grow in the faith and understanding. Seek to understand those things which are matters of conscience and those things that are matters that the Scripture clearly calls sin. Use wisdom. Seek the Lord in these matters. I don't want to remain weak. I want to grow. And also care for your stronger brothers by not using your own conscience to bind theirs. That you wouldn't say, in that same situation of, you know, we just finished dinner and we're going to go to the movies, that you wouldn't say, well, you can never go to the movies ever because it would, I don't like, go, I, I don't believe it would be right to go to the movies. You might say, well, can we choose another activity because I can't do that. Can you, you know, but you wouldn't bind someone's conscience to your own. If I am weak in an area, I don't want to make everyone else weak in that same area. I'm not going to bind someone's conscience at all times. As, as Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 10, um, 29, he says, why should my conscience be bound? Um, why, should, why should my liberty be determined by someone else's, else's conscience? My liberty isn't determined by someone else's conscience. It's determined by my conscience. And so if you're the weaker brother, care for your stronger brothers by not using your conscience to bind theirs at all times. R.C. Sproul has a wonderful sermon called The Tyranny of the Weaker Brother on Romans 14. 
where the weaker brother uses their conscience to bind everyone else around them. To say, if I can't do it, nobody can do it. This is, this is tyranny. And it's not how we should interact with our brothers and sisters in love. So to the strong brother, care for your weaker brothers by, by abstaining from whatever you need to abstain from to not cause them to stumble. To the weaker brothers, care for your stronger brothers by not using your conscience to bind theirs. And to all the brothers in my, and sisters in my hearing, love one another in matters of opinion and conscience. Show grace. There is supposed to be unity in the church. The world calls for unity, and they want us to unite with ungodly things. They want us to unite with the homosexuality um, movement. They want us to unite with the transgender movement. They want us to unite with abortionists. They want us to uh, unite with adulterers and liars and thieves. They want us to unite with sin. But what relationship does light have with darkness? There can be no true unity with those things. But within the church, within the church, we can have true unity because of our love, our mutual love for Christ and for each other. And so love one another in matters of opinion and matters of conscience. And make sure that whatever you do, whether you eat or don't eat, whether you drink or don't drink, whether you, you know, observe the day or you don't observe the day, do it to honor the Lord. Make sure that it is done from faith in Christ. Because as verse 23 says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. 1 Corinthians 10.31. 1 Corinthians 10 deals with the same issue of conscience. And it concludes with whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It's basically the same concept. Make sure that what you, do, what you do is done from faith. Make sure that what you do is being done to honor and glorify the Lord. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Don't allow your liberty to cause others to sin. And don't allow your weak conscience to bind someone else. Love one another. And make sure that whichever your choice is, whether you are the weak or the strong, whether you eat or don't eat, whether you, whether you observe the day or you don't observe the day, do it to honor the Lord. Make sure that whatever you do proceeds from faith in, in Christ. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day you've given us. We thank you for your love and grace that you've shown us. We, we thank you that we can have true unity around the scriptures, around the truth, around Christ, even in areas where we might hold disagreements. If I and my brother disagree on a matter of conscience, let me show faith, show grace to them. Let me not look down on the one who has a weak faith. Not to despise the one who still has a weak understanding of what the scripture teaches. And in the areas where I'm weak, help me not to look down on the ones who are strong. Help me not to judge the ones who are strong. Where these issues of conscience come into play. Allow me to 
follow the great commandments that you gave to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and to love my neighbor as myself. And for those things to be played out in how I either eat or abstain or drink or abstain or observe the day or abstain from observing the day, that in all that I'm loving you, God, by honoring and glorifying you no matter my choice, by giving thanks to you no matter the choice, and that I'm loving my neighbor by putting aside my own rights so as not to cause them offense, to not cause them to stumble, to not cause them to come into sin because of my choice. unite around a love for Christ Jesus where we're weak in faith help us to grow strong where we're strong in faith help us not to grow prideful but to recognize that we are far far from perfect far from as strong as we could be and let us see let us see our own shortfalls our own shortcomings and run to you in humility. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right. Um, at this time, we will have our um, benediction. And unless there's any other announcements that I've missed today, which I don't think I have.